story six of short stories of william henry harrison murray this librivox recording is in the public domain story six who was he part two three if a man take a life should he give his own life in atonement for the dreadful deed such was the question that the man asked he was looking at the trapper at the time looking at him steadily but the sound of his voice as he put the question did not seem to give personal direction to the solemn interrogation it seemed rather the echo of a reflection as if his own mind in its communings had come upon the terrible question and the words without volition of his own which framed it into speech had passed out of his mouth he was looking at the trapper as we said and the trapper was looking into the fire the light of which that came and went in flashes brought distinctly out the settled gravity of the features and the rugged but grand proportions of the head there is no better light in which to see an old man's face than the fitful firelight and no better background than that which the darkness makes one would have thought that the interrogation was not heard for on the trapper's face there showed no line of change the girl remained looking steadfastly into the face of the questioner and herbert made no response i ask you a question old trapper said the man a question which reaches to the depths of human responsibility and points to the heights of human sacrifice in the old days the wisdom of the world was with those who lived with nature your head is white and you tell me you have lived in the woods since you were a boy you have seen war have stood in battle have slain your man and made many graves of those you have slain have you wisdom are you able to answer the question i have asked you i have as you say answered the trapper been in wars i've stood in battle i've slain men i've buried those i have slain i know what it is to take a human creature's life and i think i know where the right to do the deed stops and where it begins where does it begin asked the man where does the right to take human life begin the words came forth slowly and heavily weighted with meaning it was evident that the question which the man asked was not asked as one interrogates but as one puts a question that has personal application to himself the trapper felt this he looked into the man's face and studied his countenance a moment noted the breadth of brow the large deep-set eyes the fine curvature of the chin and cheek saw the beauty and splendor of it saw what some might not have seen both the beauty of its peaceful mood and the terribleness of the wrath that might surge out of it saw all this and without answering the question said simply you have killed a man the stranger looked steadily back into the trapper's face and answered as simply yes i am a murderer herbert started a trifle the girl gave a slight exclamation and lifted her hand as if in protest the trapper alone made reply you certainly don't look like a murderer friend he is none he is none exclaimed the girl he had provocation old man he had provocation and then she turned toward the man and said why will you say such things 
why will you condemn yourself wrongly why do you brood over a deed done in wrath and under the strain that few might resist as it had been done in cold blood and with a murderer's malice and forethought of evil the man listened to her gravely with a kind of considerate patience in the look of his face waited a moment when she had finished as one might wait from the habit of politeness and then without answering her said you have not answered my question old trapper i cannot answer it i certainly can't answer it friend unless i know the circumstances of the killin for there be killin that be right and there be killin that be wrong and unless i know the circumstances of the killin my words would be like the words of a boy that talks in council without knowing what he's talkin if you killed a man how did you kill him i killed him face to face answered the man he paused a moment and then repeated face to face why did you kill him asked the trapper had he done you wrong he was my friend said the man my friend true and tried had he done you a wrong persisted the trapper what is wrong asked the man i can't tell whether he had done me wrong or nay i only know he had crossed my purpose stopped me from doing what i had set my heart on doing and what i set my heart on doing old man i do and the man's eyes darkened under the abundant brow and the face tightened and contracted as a rope when a strain is upon it the man came between me and my purpose he added he stood up and faced me and said i should not do what i proposed to do and should not have what i had sworn to have and i killed him where he stood it was astonishing how quietly the words were said considering the tremendous energy of will which was charged into and through their quietness he had no right to do it said the girl he had no right to do it it was none of his business and you know it wasn't and she spoke apparently to the man oh sir why do you not tell them that he was an intermeddler and meddled with what was none of his business kindled you to rage by his meddling and that you slew him in your rage thoughtlessly unintentionally why do you not tell them these things the man listened to her again politely there was a look of grave courtesy in his eye as he half turned his face and looked upon her as she was speaking but beyond this there was no recognition that he heard her when she had finished he turned his face again toward the trapper and said old trapper you've not answered my question has a man a right to take life certainly answered the trapper how asked the man in war answered the trapper in any other way queried the man yes in self-defense any other cause persisted the stranger not as a rule answered the trapper after this there was a silence the girl's head dropped into her two palms and for an instant her frame shook as one contesting the passage of a strong feeling that insists on expression the three men made no motion but sat silently gazing into the fire for several minutes the silence lasted there are two living that will never forget that silence then the man lifted his face and said old trapper have you ever known remorse 
i can't say i ever did answered the trapper though i felt a leetle uneasy arter dealin with the thievin vagabonds whose tracks i've found on the line of my traps it hath seemed to me sometimes in the evenin and thinkin the matter over that perhaps a leetle less bullet and a leetle more scripture might a did just as well but a man is apt to be a leetle harsh in his anger but i have an idea that the lord makes some allowance for a man's doin when he's a good deal riled that's where the mercy comes in yes that's where the mercy comes in isn't it boy and the old man looked at herbert there is certainly where we need the mercy to come in answered herbert but it were better that we acted so that the mercy need not be shown the man listened to herbert's reply with an expression of strong assent on his countenance and then he turned to the trapper you say old man that you never knew remorse happy has your life been because of it and happy shall your life be to its close i have known remorse it is a fearful knowledge as fearful as the knowledge of hell woe to the man that does an evil deed that instant he is doomed doomed to anguish his divinity punishes him within his bosom the great tribunal is instantly set up the judge takes his seat the witnesses are summoned and the whole universe swarms to the trial his memory is a torment and all the forces of his mind suddenly concentrate in memory the memory of one deed or of many deeds even as his sin has been soul or manifold what torment old man is like the torment of one whose memory is confined wholly to his evil deeds no one made any reply the anguish of the man's speech made response impossible before i did the deed he continued after a pause my memory took knowledge of all sweet things of all dear faces i have ever seen of all generous and blessed deeds i had ever done but after that i could remember but one thing the murderer only one face the face of him i killed and all my life and the glory of it was thrown into black eclipse by that one terrible act before i did the deed nature was a joy to me but now in every star i see his countenance looking down upon me in every flower i see his still cold face the winds bear to me his voice the water of those rapids and the man stretched his hand out toward the flowing river sounds to me like the rattle in his throat as he lay dying how shall i find release old man how quit myself of this terrible curse and the man's words ended in a groan the mercy of the lord be great replied the trapper greater than any deed of guilt did by mortal great enough to cover you friend and your misdoin as a mother covers the error of her child with her forgiveness i know the mercy of the lord is great answered the man i know his forgiveness covers all but the old law old as the world old as guilt and justice the law of life for life and blood for blood has never been repealed and this is the one comfort left for the noble that however great the guilt however wicked the deed the atonement can be as great as the sin he who dies pays all debts he who has sent one to the grave and goes to the grave voluntarily goes into the arms of mercy 
i know not where else with all his searching man may surely find it again there was silence above the stars shone warmly through the dusky gloom the rapids roared falling hoarsely through the darkness a moaning ran along the pine tops the firelight flamed and flickered and the flames flashed the four faces into sight that were grouped around the brands at length the trapper said what is it you have in your heart to do friend i took a life answered the man i must give one in return i took a life and my life is forfeited this is my condemnation and i pronounce it on myself my judge is not above my judge is within in this the world finds protection and in this the sinner finds release from sin there is no other way at least no other way so perfect one man was great enough to die for the sins of others they who would rise to the level of his life must be great enough to lay down their life for their own sins this is justice and out of such true justice blooms the perfect mercy to this the man added thoughtfully there is but one objection what is the objection asked herbert what is the objection if one be great enough to make so great a sacrifice the objection answered the man is found in this it is so deep a sin to kill it is so easy a thing to die for what is death the ignorant dread it because they do not analyze it their lack of thoughtfulness makes them cowardly for death is going out of bondage into liberty he who passes through the dark gate finds himself when he has passed standing in the cloudless sunshine in dying the powerful become glad the small become greater and if they die rightly the sinful become sinless if a great motive prompts us to death it is the perfect regeneration entering thus the new life man is born anew and so in punishment the great law of mercy stands revealed and sin leads up to sinlessness in such travail of soul he who suffers through suffering is satisfied it is sublime philosophy exclaimed herbert but few are great enough to practise it rather sir exclaimed the man few are knowing enough to accept it the eyes of men through their ignorance are blinded by fear and they see not the delivering gates though they stand facing the open passage well life is sweet the words fell from the lips of herbert as if they spoke themselves to the innocent life is sweet answered the man but to the guilty life is bitterness the world was not made for the guilty the beauties and glories of it were not for them the universe is not sustained for them only for the good do things exist the breasts of life are full but their nourishment is not for guilty lips to draw i have seen the time when life was sweet i have lived to see the time when life is bitter through death i go out of bitterness into sweetness this is the mercy that is unto all and which all can take take freely some get it through another all might get it through themselves it is a violent deed to kill oneself said the trapper you mistake answered the man there is a coarse rude way there is a fine noble way 
i have power said the man to lay down my life and i have power to take it again do you not think old trapper that a man can die when he wills i don't understand ya answered the trapper the soul rules the body replied the stranger the soul is not bound to the body it lives in it as a man lives in his house my body is only my environment i can quit it at will i can go out of it do you mean to say asked herbert that we can leave our bodies through determination of purpose and mental decision there have been such cases answered the man and such cases there might be continually if the relations between the soul and the body are recognized and the supreme authority of the one over the other allowed full action the soul can do anything it pleases it can come and it can go this is my faith while the foregoing conversation was being conducted the girl had remained silent herbert sat opposite to her and as the firelight flamed her face into sight he could not but note the expression of it the look of her face was that of one who was listening to what she had heard before perhaps many times before and which upon the hearing she had combated and was determined to continue to combat and at this point she suddenly spoke up i think sir and she lifted her eyes to the face of the man that the living should live for the living rather than die for the dead for the dead have no wants neither of the body nor of the heart neither of the mind nor the soul for if they want god feeds them but the living want and crave and have deep needs and god feeds not at all unless through us who live it is our duty to do and not to die the words were clearly and slowly spoken spoken in a quiet but determined tone the old trapper raised his face and looked at the girl as if surprised at the wisdom of her speech herbert was already looking at her the man slowly turned his face towards her and said mary we have argued that point before the tone in which he spoke was not one of rebuke and yet it conveyed the idea that the point was settled and was not to be reopened the girl waited a moment respectfully as if she felt profound deference for the other's character and would not willingly oppose his wish and then she said i know sir we have discussed it before but it is not settled and never can be settled for it sets in comparison the value of two lives the one that was and the one that is and i say that there are lives of which yours is one that belong to others and cannot be disposed of as if they were a selfish thing and life is a truer atonement for sin than death you owe more than one debt and you have no right to pay the one however great it is if by the paying of that you leave the other unpaid friend said the trapper the girl speaks wisdom leastways she brings matter into the council which men of gravity should not overlook the living certainly have claims what can you say to her speech for a moment the man made no reply and then he said my philosophy is based upon a sentiment a sentiment born of conscience and conscience makes duty for us all there is no reasoning against conscience 
it is the voice of god the only god we have my conscience tells me that there is but one atonement that i can make there is no election i must do it what good said herbert addressing the man what good will you do by dying i shall satisfy myself said the man and what right have you to satisfy yourself in such a matter exclaimed the girl what right have any of us to satisfy ourselves what right have we to be selfish in our death any more than in our life oh sir if you saw rightly you would see that you had no right to satisfy yourself in this dreadful way you should satisfy others they need you even as the poor need the rich as the weak need the strong as those who are prone because they cannot lift themselves need one who is strong enough to lift them it is not heroic to die unless the full object of life is met by the dying it is heroic to live because it is harder than dying even death dedicated to atonement can be a greater sin than the deed which one would atone i know not how the girl has such wisdom said the trapper for she be young and yet she certainly seems to me to have the right of it i know not who you be nor how many look to you for help but if you be one that can help and that there be many that need your help i certainly conceive that you should live live to help em you say right you say right old man exclaimed the girl his life is not a common life it represents such power and faculty and opportunity and i may say such devotion to the many that it does not belong to him and may not therefore be disposed of as if he owned it himself and had the right to do with it as he pleased i do not say answered the man that i own my life i say rather that i do not own it i owe it there are debts you cannot pay by life the laws of the whole world recognize this nor do we do by living the greatest service he who dies to uphold a righteous principle fulfils all righteousness he who gives away a life in atonement for a life taken makes all life more sacred and so he serves the living beyond all other service he might do she looks at individuals i observe principles she contemplates only the present i forecast the future needs of man moreover the highest service one can do man is to serve himself in the highest manner he who ministers to his own sense of justice strengthens the judicial sense of the world men overvalue life when they suppose that there is nothing better to teach them that there is something better to impress them by some signal event that there is something higher and nobler than mere living is to fulfil all benevolence to their souls how many the saviour could feed and heal and bless by avoiding calvary and yet he did not avoid it he showed the object of life which is service i trust i have not wholly failed to show men that he then showed the highest object of dying which is service why should i not imitate him why should i not be a law unto myself and bear the penalty voluntarily the man rose to his feet as he concluded and looked at the trapper and herbert and said gentlemen i thank you for your hospitality and courtesy and turning to the girl he said mary we will talk this matter over more fully by ourselves and then he bowed to the group and turned away. 
4. Long after the man and the girl had departed, the trapper and Herbert sat by their campfire discussing the question which their guest had propounded. Their conversation was grave and deliberate, as became the theme, and they united in the opinion that if the deed had been done in anger, elicited by a provocation, the man should give himself the favor which the law even would allow under similar circumstances. "'I tell you, Herbert,' said the strapper, "'the girl said the man had cause, leastwise that the man whom he struck worried him to it, and that the blow was given in anger.' now hot blood is hot blood and cold blood is cold blood and if a man kill another man in cold blood it be murder the law says so and what is better nature says so but if a man kill another man in his anger when his blood is up and he is strongly provoked to it the law says there be a difference and it isn't murder and i conceit that the girl be right that the man had no right in nature or law either to murder himself because in his anger he murdered another man and besides continued the old man after a moment's pause during which he had evidently made an effort at memory if there be any wrath in the case it belonged to the lord and not to man you may recall the verse henry vengeance is mine i will repay saith the lord such was the quotation herbert made certainly certainly answered the trapper that is it vengeance is the lord's and he is the one that can handle it rightly and the man had better leave it to the lord for several moments herbert made no reply and then as if speaking to himself more than his companion he said how the girl loves him you have hit it henry answered the trapper promptly yes you have hit it at the centre i noted her face the look in her eyes and the earnestness of her voice there's no doubt about the matter of the lovin she is one of the quiet kind boy and she has got the faculty o listenin a long time which isn't natural to a woman but when she speaks you can see what she is she has a quiet face but a determined spirit i've seed several of the same sort seed them afore the battle and arter the battle and i know what's in the heart of the girl yes i know what's in the heart of the girl and the old man looked at his companion across the campfire the young man returned his gaze and then said quietly what is in the heart of the girl john norton at the man dies the girl dies too answered the trapper and stooping he pushed a brand into the centre of the fire it is awful to think so replied the young man it is awful to think that one so lovely should die so miserable she belongs to the kind that does seen things answered the sapper but whether you can call her dying miserable i certainly doubt for there be some that can't die miserable owing to their feelings and i've noted that them who die feeling a certain way die happy whenever they die but death means one thing to one and another thing to another and the heart that has lost all is happy to go in search of it even if it be along the trail that the sun never shines on and so the two men sat and talked feeding the campfire with sticks occasionally as they talked they wondered who the man was and whence he came wondered if he would change his views and if the girl could win him over to a rational way of looking at the deed that had been done and the true way to atone for it wondered if they could not assist her in her loving task when the morning came talked and wondered and planned and at last wrapping their blankets around them they laid down to sleep 
the last words spoken were by the trapper and were these we will go over in the morning herbert and out the girl and then they slept beyond the balsam thicket by another campfire the girl and the man sat talking talking of the deed that had been done and the atonement demanded and of the great future beyond this present life the future that stretches away endlessly the future of peace to some perhaps to all who knows but there be some who think that this life has in it such forces of education such enlightenment to the understanding such quickening to the conscience such ripening of character and that through its experiences its trials and its griefs come such graces to the souls of those that leave it that when they pass they leave their worst self behind them even as the germ leaves the shuck out of which it sprouted leaves the dull damp ground forever while it groweth up into the sunlight in which it finds perfection mary said the man i have done with the past my mind turns wholly toward the future i see it as the shipwrecked sailor sees the land which if he can but reach he will not only be beyond the storm that wrecks him but beyond all storms forever companion of my joys and companion of my grief companion in everything but in my sin counsel with me with your eyes turned ahead you are innocent and innocence is prophetic what lies beyond this world and the life men live in it what of good waits for him who gives up this life bravely and penitently and trusts himself to the decisions and the certainties of the great hereafter my master said the girl it is not for me to teach you you who are so much greater than i you who have been gifted with faculties and powers that have lifted you above men what can i say to you save to repeat what you have said to me mary he replied talk to me from out your heart and not from out your mind the prophecies that come to men from heaven heaven has communicated through the emotions of the just and the pure and not through the perceptions tell me of the faith of your heart the heart which i know has been free of guile tell me of the great hereafter and what awaits me there the hereafter said the girl and she lifted her eyes lovingly to the face of the man the hereafter is the same as here only larger as things grown are larger than things ungrown the future is to the present what the river is to the stream what the stream is to the fountain it is the flowing out and the flowing on the widening and the deepening of what is is there no gap no breakage no chasm or gulf between the here and the hereafter asked the man no said the girl there is no gap nor chasm nor gulf but continuity of progress and perfect sequence the connections between the known and the unknown are perfect the one does not end and the other begin time is the beginning of eternity and the brief time that men call a day is only a fraction of endlessness there is no end to life then queried the man end to life exclaimed the girl how can life end life changes its form its embodiment the location of its residence but life is the breath of god and when once breathed into the universe and it has taken form and made for itself expression who may annihilate it who may take it out of existence no master there is no end to life 
it is a sublime faith said the man and i have proclaimed it unto many but few have been great enough to receive the doctrine as a verity in theory they have received it but their superstition has robbed them of its mighty consolations but if we do not die but only pass forward as men go out of a city's gate along a road that has no end what fate befalls them does a change of nature come to them only such as comes through growth answered the girl shall i be just as i am when i have passed into the great future he asked you will be the same answered the girl only more abundantly yourself we are all our life looking for ourselves continued the girl and few if any find themselves until they die i don't understand said the man i know the lord is speaking through you for you are uttering truth so great that at the utterance they seem mysteries explain as the teacher explains to the child she is trying to teach i mean answered the girl that death is an enlightenment and a discovery it will give us revelations of ourselves for never do we find him save as we find him in his and we are his you will not know who and what you are until you get far enough ahead my master to look back upon yourself we must go up and go on a long way before we know what we are now here the conversation paused for a while and nothing disturbed the profound silence but the roar of the rapids whose ceaseless sound swelled and sank in the silence like the waves of the sea at length the man said have you thought of the land ahead is it real and where is it and what the life lived there why do you ask me such questions answered the girl when you know that i have thought only as you have taught me to think am but repeating the faith i learned from your lips surely there is a land ahead or rather many lands lands and seas and blessed islands in the seas where the blessed live and loves and lovers and homes exquisitely and endlessly peaceful are there and men who have grown nobler than they were here and women far sweeter than their short life here might make them live and love in the lands ahead the girl spoke low but earnestly and her words sounded on the silent air like softly breathed music so much did her sweet self possess her words and the man listened as men listen to music when it comes softly and sweetly to their ears mary said the man you make the life ahead seem so sweet that i shrink from entering it lest by so doing i escape the punishment for my sin i would fain inflict upon myself oh master exclaimed the girl you do mistake for though i do believe all i have said and would trust myself to the far future as young eagles trust themselves to the warm air when they have grown equal to the joy of flight yet the life of this earth is sweet so sweet when the heart is satisfied that one might fear to exchange it for another as one fears to part with what fully satisfies even though the promise of more abundant things is sure as god it is sweet to breathe the airs of the earth as health receives them tis sweet to live and love and serve in loving and find your happiness in giving it 
tis sweet to teach and guide men up and on to wider knowledge and nobler living to make them gentler and finer in their thoughts and happier hearted and o oh, my master tis sweet to live with one you love be unto him a new life daily and see him grow in your growth matching it and so go on in that perfect companionship that the future may give to us as the highest fortune and having given has given its best and all you shall live answered the man you shall live and have as you deserve dear girl and if i have taught you aught which being known has made or shall make your life on earth sweeter take it as my legacy to you i had thought to leave you something more perhaps something better but that is past i will not take your legacy and stay answered the girl i will rather take it and go with you that where you are i may be with you you have promised nothing and i want no promise i have only asked one thing and only one thing now do i ask and that you will not hold from me for i have earned it earned it by patient serving and by growth that you know came from you what is it that you ask tell me replied the man for you shall have it if it be in the power of my giving companionship answered the girl the companionship of service my mind must serve your mind for only so may it find its growth for which it longs you have led me from darkness to light and into what future light you advance i must enter too i love you as women love men but i love you more than that i love you for what you are separated from what you can ever be to me i love you as a mind i love you as a soul i love you as a spirit i love you with a purity with an ambition with a longing that men cannot interpret and earthly relations cannot express but which god understands and which in his heaven i know there must be a name for and a connection that is known through all the social life of heaven it must not be answered the man i admit your claim but it must not be why must it not be asked the girl the man hesitated a moment and then he said because my future is uncertain i dare not say what it will be i care not what it is answered the girl whatever it is that i share share because i cannot help it it is not a question of condition but of presence with you i could bear all misery yea in the misery find happiness without you my heart could feel no joy throughout eternity master my master i love you so and as she looked into the face of the man there came to her countenance the expression of utter devotion and in her large eyes tears gathered and having formed from them fell slowly the man groaned aloud and said alas alas my curse is doubled being brought on thee there is no curse on thee or me she answered you were but mortal and being sorely tempted did a wicked deed but no single deed can change the nature you are the same great man great in your goodness as you are great in power and my love too remains the same nay master it is greater you should stay and live and make atonement by living for you cannot live and not better men you can do deeds that would wipe out the deadliest guilt 
but if you will not stay if to you it seems right to die and if only through death your sense of justice can be met and yourself find peace then neither will i stay but go go where thou goest yea i will sink or rise with thee go to this world or that i care not which or where if only i may go with thee and i pray thee not to think it hard for me to share thy journey why should i be left behind and what might i have thou being gone what pleasure in all the world could i find with thee out of it i have no home thy presence is my home i have no kindred and no loves await me anywhere how could i have loving thee for in thee i have found father and mother brother and sister and all sweet relationships and so whither thou goest let me go and where thou stayest let me stay do not resist me but be persuaded and let me die with thee so shall we passing out of these mortal bodies in the selfsame hour be together still the man made no response but sat silently gazing at her face in a moment the girl moved softly to his side and took his hand in hers and so they sat together while the firelight died away and the darkness enveloped them but through the darkness the stars beamed mildly as if they expressed the sweet mercy which the imaginations of men picture as throned above the azure in whose blue field they stand suspended what happened farther is known only to him whose eyes see through all darkness and to whom the night is as the day during the night the trapper started suddenly from his sleep was it a woman's cry he heard was it only such a sound as comes to us at times in dreams he listened but heard nothing save the monotonous murmur of the rapids and the equally steady movement of the night breeze stirring through the pine tops he listened and hearing nothing lay down again and slept the morning came came as brightly and cheerfully as if the world knew no sorrow and the men and women in it had no griefs the morning came but before it came a wing darker than the shadow of the night had passed over the world for when the trapper and his companion visited the camp beyond the balsam thicket they found the two lying side by side the girl's head on the bosom of the man and her right hand lying gently in his no mark of violence on their bodies no instrument of death near lying as if they had fallen asleep the man's countenance in grave repose the girl's blessedly peaceful no name on either no scrap of paper that might tell who they might be perhaps the man's faith was true perhaps the will has power to will itself and all of life there is in us out of the body be this as it may the trapper and his companion only saw this the unknown man in the prime of his strength lying dead under the pines and the girl in her loveliness lying dead by his side end of story six